This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. Happy summer. We are continuing our From the Vault series here with one that I actually just listened to because it was from the beginning of 2019 when we talked about this market and the risky market that we're in. I listened to this one because I wanted to see if it had any insights for what's going on right now. And for me, it did. It actually, I think we pretty much have the same situations now as we did uh, six months ago. So check it out. See what you think. And enjoy a fabulous summer. And for all you Americans out there, happy 4th of July. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are diving in in 2019 to what could be a really incredible opportunity in the stock market to be an investor in the strategies of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And that's what my daughter and I are discussing is how could you do that? How can an individual investor, especially when Buffett and Munger are telling you, you know, you should just invest in index funds, how would an individual investor expect to be able to not just beat the market, but do it safely in mm. in a really, really dangerous stock market right now? Oh. I'm saying a dangerous stock market I think you hit the right nail now. on the head there, Dad. How do you do it safely in a dangerous stock market? Yeah. And dangerous because why? <laughs> okay, because... let me say that with a different tone. Dad? Mm. How do you do it safely in a dangerous stock market? There you go. Question well, mark. My, first off, what makes a stock market dangerous <laughs> oh, is that... I wanted an if, answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm coming with one. Okay. It, uh, what makes a stock market dangerous is the emotions it creates, the fear it creates when it drops. That's, that's the biggest thing that makes it dangerous, number one. And okay. Because in the long run, the stock market will rise again and... Your investments will, especially if you've gotten good investments, if you've got wonderful businesses or you have the whole index, um, ultimately, it'll come out ahead down the road somewhere. Um, unfortunately, what also makes it dangerous is that somewhere down the road has been as long as 26 years in the U.S. stock market. And that yeah. was from 1929 till 1955. And then again, 1965 till 1983. That's another 19 year stretch where you would have had a zero return from coming into the stock market. And that's what makes people afraid is that they, particularly baby boomers, don't have, or, or people actually in their 40s right now, don't have 20 years to get a zero return and still expect to be able to be okay in retirement. Right. And that becomes particularly scary when you're looking at the debts of the United States being so huge now that we don't really know how we're going to pay for Medicare and Social Security down the road in 20 years. We just don't have that one 
right. I out. mean, if you're doing this long, it's sort of this weird hypocritical conundrum where if you're a long-term investor and long-term is like 10 years or 20 years and you're just in it to win it and it's all going to be fine and you're not thinking about the market. Da, 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 da. And then the truth is you need to sell your stocks at some point so that you can retire and have some income from those investments. And that some point isn't an imaginary time in the future. It's an actual year when that's going to happen. And if you just happen to get stuck with a bad year or a bad 10 years, then all of a sudden timing the market really matters. And I think that's where the scariness for me comes from is I don't want anything to do with timing the market. But I also don't want my carefully chosen investments to just get wiped out year upon year upon year. And then my money's just stuck in them. And I just can't do anything about it because I didn't really time the market. Well, thank goodness the, that we have a solution to this. This is so great. And, and the solution as every financial... at his best. <laughs> here it comes. As every financial advisor who's worth his salt knows, or her salt, knows, and as the Securities Exchange Commission, which regulates the financial advisors and tests them to make sure they know this, mm -hmm. as they know... The closer you get to retirement, the more you should have your money in bonds rather than the stock market so that you don't have to be so afraid that you won't have money because you've got to spend it at some point in time and the stock market's really down. So as a matter of fact, what they would strongly recommend, Danielle, is that you have, let's say at age 60, you have about 60% of your money in treasury bonds which are safe, U.S. government bonds, and only about 40% in um, in stock markets. And the older you get, the less you have in the stock market and the more you have in bonds. Now, this is highly good advice and very sober advice and fabulous for people who have money. Well, that's right, because bonds, well, at least treasury bonds, I know nothing about other kinds of bonds, but treasury bonds are pretty much the lowest kind of lowest return kind of investment that you can get. Particularly now, they're almost paying near nothing um, after inflation, um, meaning your money, if you put your money in a treasury bond, your money is very likely to lose value in spite of the fact that you're getting interest at two and a half percent. Um, you're, you're going backwards if inflation picks up. So there's a real problem with the idea that you've got 60% of your money in these 2% bonds. These two, they're not paying you anything. And this is one of the great unspoken disasters of the Federal Reserve uh, putting interest rates artificially low is that people who are on fixed income, which means bonds, um, and companies which are responsible to deliver pensions, mm -hmm. which means city governments and corporations, are putting their money into something that doesn't pay anything. And as a result, we have two huge problems. Number one, retirees aren't making enough money to stay retired. And number two, city governments, county governments have obligations on their pension funds that they cannot possibly pay off. And that's going to come down say on them. Bonds. Down the road. They don't just mean treasury bonds. They mean all those other kinds of bonds. 
Well, when you're looking at retirement, you know, you got to think seriously about what other kind of bonds are you willing to put your money in other than government bonds, right? Now, do you want to put your money in a bond with Chicago where Illinois owes more money in pensions than it can possibly pay and may default on its bonds? So you'd want to do that in your retirement in order to get a little higher rate of return? Most people would, and most advisors would say, be very, very careful. When, when the other kind of bond is a corporate bond, a CD from your bank, um, uh, a corporate security. Uh-huh. And come on, if you're worried about your money being in the stock market, that's the same company, right? You got Coca-Cola stock and then you have Coca-Cola bonds. If, you, if you're worried about Coca-Cola being able to pay down the road uh, because its stock is dropping like a brick, you know, then you should be worried about its bonds as well. So obviously they're, they're in a more secure position and Coca-Cola probably isn't going to go broke, but that's not the only company you've got money in out there. So I would say most people are going to be pretty sober about this and they're not going to spend a lot of their money on bonds that are dangerous, which would be corporate bonds in anything other than just super blue chip companies, which Mm -hmm. don't pay much more than, you know, a government bond. So, I mean, it's so, it's so tough right now, honestly, uh, for another reason. Wait, but you had the answer. You had the solution. I was, I was giving you the solution according to the establishment that wants you to follow their advice. And that is you put your money mostly into bonds at this point. And when you say bonds, you mean specifically Treasury bills, treasury bonds. Yeah, government bonds, bonds that can't Because when you say bonds, it sounds like you mean like bonds, like all bonds from companies, from city governments, from everywhere. Well, you're not wrong. Uh, Many advisors will give you a spread of bonds or bond funds that grab a lot of different kinds of bonds. But I'm I'm leaning toward let's be really safe here. Okay. Okay. And if you're going to be really safe, you want your you want to you want to lend money to someone who's for sure going to pay it back. And the only one that you can say that about is the U.S. government because they have a printing press and they can print money to pay you back. Nobody else has that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say you'd be very careful and you, you put your money predominantly into government treasuries, which means, you know, some some will be five years long and then they'll you'll be able to ladder those into a higher interest rate down the road. Some are 10 years long. Down the road, you can ladder those into a higher interest rate. Maybe some are a little longer. But the problem you've got with all of that is that government bonds right now, 10-year T-bill is 2.6%. It's really not very likely it's going to go down Hmm. to 2.3%, okay? Mm -hmm. So if it goes up, check this out. If it goes from 2.6 to where it historically has been, a 10-year T-bill at 5%, the value of your money in that treasury note just got cut in half. Hmm. Just got cut in half. So if you put in $100,000 and you need to get your money out, you can sell that for about 50,000 bucks and you've lost half your money on your bond. So this is a really dangerous time mm-hmm. to put your money in long bonds, which means you got to put them in short-term bonds, which means you're not going to get paid very much. Okay. So that's tough because people have to live on this money in retirement. And if there's not enough, then they've got to take more risk. And by the way, that's exactly the purpose of the actions of the Federal Reserve is to drive Americans to take more risk with their money, put it into riskier assets that get a higher rate of return. And the reason they can force us to do that is because they make the safer assets like bonds give you almost no return. 
So they've forced well, people. Well, I mean, the I think market. that's a really big statement to make. There's a lot of reasons that governments put interest rates at low, and I don't think forcing people into risky investments is necessarily one of them. I think it's that they want to encourage people to make purchases and make investments, whether those things are risky. I don't think they necessarily want that. But yes, they want people deploying their money rather than keeping it in really safe, long-term uh, vehicles. Well, I can understand how, how you're feeling there, but that's more feeling than logic. No, I don't think because so. Because <laughs> let me give you the logic <laughs> go, on this. Go ahead. Okay. So their assets typically return an amount of money relative to their risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So stocks I mean, you are yourself risky. strongly argue against that and have taught me the opposite of that for three and a half, two and a half years, but go ahead. Which is, which is why I say typically. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Right. If you're a careful investor, you can you can use that against the, the, the system. But let's just say typically. So typically stocks have to give you a higher rate of return in the long run than bonds because stocks naturally are riskier. They're much more volatile. You put your money in a stock, you don't know, 10 years from now, if you're going to have, you just know that long term, it'll probably turn out to be pretty good. And that pretty good better be more than bonds or you're not going to put your money in there. Okay. That does that should make sense to you, right? Logically. Well, it I, the problem is I don't know anything about bonds, so it's hard for me to comment logically on the risky relativeness, risky relativity. Okay, then let's let's just talk about the bonds we were bonds. talking about a minute ago, which was the US Treasury bonds. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's definitely riskier than that. Okay, well, that's what we're saying. So, oh. here you have choice number <laughs> you 1 know is there's stocks. This whole world of people who invest and buy bonds and make huge amounts of bonds and are the junk bond king and all the stuff you hear about. Come on, man. I got a good friend of mine who, who drives his own jet because he's so good at trading bonds. That's what I'm saying. But, but he's in there buying bonds from GM when it's going into bankruptcy. I mean, That's what I'm this saying. guy is playing risky games. We're talking about So when you're telling me are, are bonds less, less or more risky than stocks, I, I, I don't know. I'm saying U.S. Treasury bonds. U.S. Treasury bonds are less risky than stocks by definition. Yes. I know that because I wrote the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) So by definition, stocks are riskier and have to produce a higher rate of return or no one would put their money in the stock market. They will put it into the Treasury bonds. Does that make sense? Correct. That is why... The treasury bonds are called the risk-free rate because right. you will get and your now, money why back. Would somebody, okay, go ahead. Why would somebody put their money in a treasury bond? Because they don't want to take the risk doing other things. Well, I mean, compared to what? Putting, just leaving your money in cash. Oh, because in so cash, with cash, you, you have availability, have to, cash, but you don't get any return. You don't get any return. Uh, well... There may be a return on cash, actually. What? The- For example, in the Depression, cash was king. In other words, things kept costing less as time went along, as people reduced their prices in order to have somebody buy that asset. And if you had cash, you made a huge amount so of money in, in the Depression. So in a deflationary environment, you would uh-huh. actually make money in cash. Cool, cool. Yeah. The opposite yep, of exactly. my keeping my money under the mattress plan. I like it. Yep. 
Yep. And so that's why people buy annuities, for example, is to provide one aspect of their portfolio, which will do very, very well in deflation, Hmm. a deflationary environment. So they'll keep getting paid $5,000 a month, no matter what the money buys, does very badly in an inflationary environment, because 20 years from now, that $5,000 is going to buy $2,500 worth of stuff. But if we're in a deflationary environment, that five thousand might be buy ten thousand dollars worth of stuff, mm-hmm. like it did in the depression. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but the reason to have cash yeah. really is to have availability, so that you can deploy it at any time. Yeah, it, cash is cash. It's liquid. It's it's readily converted into assets, mm. into stuff. Mm. And so the <laughs> what a nice the concept. Rate of, I have so much cash; it is readily available to be converted into stuff. Yeah, and Warren Buffett right now is camped out on over $100 billion worth of cash, expecting to be able to convert it into stuff, okay, Mm -hmm. at good prices. So here's the the conundrum of of kind of economics in the world, is that bonds have to have a higher rate of return than cash or no one would lend you the money. And stocks have to have a higher rate of return than bonds or no one would put money into the stock market. Okay, that makes sense. You're looking sense. at the ceiling. Sure. Okay, yeah. does that make yeah. sense? So in other words, there's risk associated with these different categories of assets. Very low risk in cash, a little more risk in bonds. Treasury bonds. A lot more risk in stocks. Yeah, treasury bonds. A lot more risk in stocks. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, here's where everything goes off the rails. If you've just had a huge run-up, and now it's 1930, and the stock market's dropping like a brick, it might occur to you that your overall rate of return over the next decade or so could be worse in the stock market than in bonds or cash. Mm -hmm. And if you thought that, what would you do? I would buy bonds. Exactly. You'd get the heck out of the stock market. Yeah. Right. And so this thing... Well, unless my money already got all way down already and then I was just screwed and then I would just have to leave it in there and bet on America. Well, yeah, if you have that kind of courage. And then, of course, what happens is people get caught up in the emotion of people who see the problem like, wow, we've got a massively overpriced market here. In the next 10 years, it's likely that this market will not give me a return as good as in bonds. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull my money out. And that causes the market to go down. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the more it goes down, the more people who are unaware of the relationship between stocks and bonds and cash start to get panicked because the market's going down. They don't know why. They don't realize it's because smart people have realized that the market is going to produce a lower return than bonds over the next 10 years. And they're shifting their money to bonds. Treasury bonds. Treasury bonds. And that may be exactly what's starting to happen now. What makes you say that? Because the cost of the assets has been elevated. So assets being the risk assets, stock prices, have been elevated massively by government involvement in the markets in the form of low interest rates. These low interest rates have created um, opportunities for mergers, acquisitions, stock buybacks, um, and the low interest rates have created a negative incentive to put your money in bonds. And as a result, people put their money in the stock market. And the combination of these things has driven the stock market up to a 10-year cyclically adjusted P.E. ratio 
that has only happened a few times in history. And whenever it's happened to get that level of average P.E. ratio over uh, over the last 140 years, the stock market rate of return over the next 20 years has been near zero. Hmm. And as a result, people who are smart about this kind of stuff are looking at the next 10 years of rate of return and saying, man, I don't want my money in a near zero asset, particularly one that has risk associated with it, more than an asset that would give me a higher return than zero, which is a bond from the U.S. government. And as a result, money is flowing from the U.S. stock market into U.S. government treasuries, and the interest rate on those treasuries is going down because so much money is coming into the market, into the bond market right now. So there's a major shift going on right now, big time shift of dollars moving away from the U.S. stock market, moving into U.S. government treasuries or cash. And more than one great investor like Warren Buffett is sitting in cash or very short term U.S. treasuries waiting for these assets to crumble as they inevitably must. It's just and do a question you see of that. <clears throat> do you see what am I trying to say? Has there been a change in which you've seen that happen more aggressively or dramatically in the last, let's say, month than a year ago? Because it's all the same stuff as a year ago, right? Like, well, yeah, everybody's be, freaking out. Everybody thinks there's going to be a recession. It's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Stocks are at an all-time high. This can't last. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it's lasted. And so when you're talking about this flow of money from the stock market into treasury bonds, is that something recent or are you talking more like in the last few years you've been seeing that? No, this is, this is, it's been trying to do this now for a couple of years, but it's really underway now. I mean, the market on the Dow Jones peaked out at about 27,000 and just last month it hit 21,000, which is down over 5,000 points on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's a huge drop. Um, December was the worst month in the stock market since 1931. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it's underway. Absolutely. But wait underway. a second. It, I thought you saw money. And my next question was, how do you see this magical money coming into the treasury bond market, if there is one? Well, you see it as more and more money goes into lending money. There's more and more money to lend, which means that we're, we're now pursuing borrowers and having to reduce our interest rates. So reduce we're looking for people who want to borrow rates. the money. Right. Excuse me. We're, we're, we're looking for. Let me see if I've got this right. Actually, let me think about this. I'm for so a second. confused. Let me give you a second while I just recap why I'm so confused. So the stock market went down in 2018. I looked it up, actually. And the S&P went down. S&P 500 index had a loss of 6.2 percent in 2018, which was a big surprise to me because I remember the whole year being like, it's a new high. This is so crazy. And then it lost so much. I think in that last month, as you said, the worst month since 1931 that, and uh, there was some loss probably earlier than that, but it ended up with a loss of 6.2%. So now you're saying that this money is flowing into treasury bonds and cash right. and I want to know how you know that. Well, as money flows, in other words, more and more people are willing to lend the federal government money because they want a secure investment. 
as opposed to a risky investment in the stock and market. And lending which the looks government like money is a code for buying a treasury years. bond. Yeah, they're lending. When you, when you when buy you a, get bond, a treasury bond, you're lending money. You're lending money to the federal Just to government. be clear. So more and more people are willing to purchase treasury bonds slash lend money to the U.S. government. Right. And if more and more people are willing to buy something, you can charge a better, better price for it. And in terms of interest rates, that's means you can lower the interest rate you're going to pay on your debt. So, but the Fed just raised interest rates. <laughs> I know, and they got they've gone down. What what has gone down? They've, in other words, they've raised their prime rate at what they charge banks by a quarter of a percentage point. But there's so much money pursuing, like here, please, I want to lend you money to the saying to the federal government, I want to lend you money, that the interest rate on the ten year Treasury instead of going up a quarter percent. Oh, like commensurately with the prime rate. Yeah, it went down. In other words, it's going the opposite direction of what you would expect. And that's because money is flooding into being lent to the federal government. So it can lend, it can pay a cheaper price for the money it's borrowing. Why would the price go, why would the interest rate go down if more and more people want to buy the bonds? Wouldn't the interest rate... They're not buying bonds. You're, you're, you're using the wrong words. They're not buying They're bonds. Lending They're money. lending money. Yeah. If more and more people want to lend money, wouldn't then, they, if this is a private company, let's imagine, wouldn't they then raise their interest rate such that they would make more money from all of these people who desperately want to lend them money? Well, wait, 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 wait. Oh, uh, wait. The interest the, rate means they pay. who's borrowing the yeah, money. Yeah, you're right. You're getting it backwards. I'm totally backwards. You're right. Okay. So yeah. that's why, that's where I was confused. So lowering the interest rate means that the government pays less money for that lended money. Exactly. Money. The government is borrowing the money and they have to pay for this borrowed money. The more people who want to lend them money, the less they have to pay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. That was, it was me who was confused. Okay. Well, it is confusing, actually. It's the worst. I can't stand anything about... Bonds are, <laughs> bonds are hard to understand. <laughs> but, but that's how we That's how we know. You asked, how do we know there's a change in, yeah. in this in a major way? Well, number one, we see a tremendous amount of money has come out of the U.S. stock market to drop something that's worth $25 trillion down by 15% is an enormous amount of money coming out. And that has gone into, in large part, cash and U.S. government treasuries. And we know it's gone into U.S. government treasuries because the interest rates are dropping. The government has an auction every week, and they auction off these treasury notes. And more and more people are willing to buy a treasury note for less and less money, to be paid for, less and less money for it. To receive less money. To receive less money for it. And that is a huge shift right huh. now. Huge shift right now. And that shift, if it continues, is continuing predominantly because very smart people think we're at the end of a big cycle, like Ray Dalio said, and the next 10 years are going to have very low rates of return of risky assets like stocks, and hmm, the money's going into bonds. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, what that means is if bonds, let's say, flatten out at around this interest rate, um, you're not going to get much of a return, but people are willing, people want to have a return rather than a negative return. Does that make sense? Are those, yeah, it does. Are those bonds that people are 
buying. <laughs> now my wording is all confusing. They're lending the money. The, is, is the money that people are lending. Oh my goodness. That was loud. Um, going to be, what am I trying to say? Is the money going to be like a short term? Like, let me put it back the way I wanted to. Are the bonds that they're buying short term bonds or are they long term bonds? Are they like a three month bond or is it like a 10 year bond? Both. So there are three month bonds. There's one year bonds. There's two year bonds. There's five year bonds, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year. But what we were saying is how the problem with bonds is that your money is locked up. You don't have it available. So that's why I'm asking about the time frame. Right. And so as more and more people invest for longer and longer periods of time, the long-term bonds, the, the 30-year ones, the 20-year ones, those interest rates go down. So, you, so what you see, right? and where do you even see this? Like if I want to go see it, where do you look um, for this just info Google, on the interest rates? Google U.S. Treasury bond uh, interest and it'll, rates. Okay, it'll just come up. Oh, yeah, they'll all come up. Okay, so now you've got this 30-year Treasury note bond that's, interest rates going down because so many people want to lend you money long-term because they're afraid of the long-term of the stock market. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't know why people would be buying 30-year treasury bonds at such low rates. Because they're, they want to lock in a good retirement or a decent rate of return in what may well be the next giant depression or recession. So you're saying they would do that because they think that's the best they're going to reliably get even in all sorts of other situations. Yes. Even though it's only slightly above the inflation rate, at least I'm protecting the buying power of my money. And if you have a lot of money and that's what you're really concerned about is protecting your buying power, then that would make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, unfortunately, back to our whole investing theme here is that as this is going on, People who are relying on these interest rates to live on in retirement who don't have a lot of money are really suffering. And they're suffering right now. They've been suffering for 10 years. And that suffering could get worse as time goes along. And so we're in a very tough spot here where all the asset groups that people normally put money into are looking pretty bad. Mm. Like right now, the stock market looks bad, so people are getting out. But if you don't have a lot of money, putting your money into 2% bonds looks pretty bad because you're not going to get paid anything. And leaving your money in cash doesn't look good because there is some inflation. So, in fact, maybe you put your money in real estate, but real estate is perhaps peaking as well. Mm. So where do you put money? You want to put your money in gold and go have that thing that Warren Buffett's talking about? And this is really hard for people right now. There's just... Financial advisors are just, they hate this kind of a market because whatever they do isn't going to work well Mm -hmm. over the next decade. Mm -hmm. And so that's where investing skills come in. That's where knowledge about investing kicks in because this is the kind of market where Warren Buffett became a billionaire. I mean, I don't know if I'm just brainwashed or what, but I have been thinking for five minutes gosh, all you have to do is find a company you understand and that has a moat and that's run by somebody with talent and integrity and then buy it at a good price because the stock market's going to be in the crapper and stick with it while it probably goes nowhere for a long time. (laughs) 
or it goes down by 50%. Or it goes down. You buy it and it goes down by 50%, but you're still working in your job, hopefully, and you take, you save every penny and you buy more of it when it's down 50% if it's a wonderful business that's not being dramatically affected by this recession. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for businesses that aren't being dramatically affected by the coming recession. Um, we're looking for businesses that are going to prosper in the long run, that have good management, that's got integrity. And boy, even better would be an, a business that has all of that and would pay us a dividend on top of that. Oh, yeah, that's a whole Or other is thing. reinvesting the dividend money at such a high rate of return. Yeah. So that's what we're targeting. And what, next time, let's talk well, about... What are some of those possibilities? What I wanted to talk about this time, which is what I promised everybody, are the IPOs that are coming up this year, which I, we generally don't really talk about IPOs. We don't really, like you teach, kind of not to invest in IPOs. But but I think these might be in a different category because they're so well known, these major companies that are going to IPO. And I actually wonder if they would be, the, not all of them, but like some of them, I think... And well, I think one is obvious, could be one of these recession resistant companies. Well, okay then. Let's no, do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, we're just full of nothing your, but good what news was your here idea? rolling into the first year. Your of the idea year. was dividends? Well, potentially. That that can offset. In other words, you can get the best of both worlds. You end up with what Warren Buffett calls an equity bond, which is essentially owning a company that's paying you a dividend um, or reinvesting the dividend and making magic happen and growing it like crazy. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of companies are very valuable. And if they have a big moat, they got good management, we understand the business, that's kind of nirvana. So let's talk about these IPOs in terms of that model and see if any of them fit that. Oh, well, they won't because they won't offer a dividend. So there, I, I, saw, I solved the problem. <laughs> oh, I, or they're, they're, they don't have to actually pay the dividend. They just have to be creating a lot of free cash that they could pay a dividend with and then taking that dividend and reinvesting uh, yes. it and making 20% this, a year with yes, it. Yes, we talked about this. That's Nirvana. We wrote about this. Yes, we dividends did. Are, Let's dividends talk about that are next time. interesting ball of wax. <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks everybody <laughs> give it up give it up i'm done oh, until, until next, next time. time ipos dividends and and the model to look for <laughs> all right thanks everybody <laughs> bye time to go play bye hey guys thanks for listening to invested if you enjoyed this episode and you want more information show notes and more episodes visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary this podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.